Hey, uh, I, I want to dig into something today, but before I do, I uh, uh, don't know if you heard about the three girls that were uh, deciding to take a road trip from California because they'd never been outside of the state. And so what happened is they get in the car and they're driving and they make it into the southeastern area and the thing that blows them away is how beautiful the rest stops are. Have you ever been in like the Missouri area, Arkansas? I mean, they're just gorgeous. And so they're just taken with it. And it's almost like every rest stop they want to stop. And, and then there's a place they pick blackberries. And, and then there was this one that had a trail. And they made their way down the trail and came up on what was a very either large pond or like small lake. And, and it's kind of hot and it's humid, but the wind is breezy. And, and they look around and there is nobody there. And so what they decide to do is they... They decide to go in, so they, they're skinny dipping. They d take off their clothes. The three girls dive in. They're swimming and having a blast. And then there was a rustle in the bushes. And they look up, and an, and an elderly man comes walking out with a bucket. And he looks at them all shocked, and they looked at him embarrassed. And, and the one girl yells, is this your pond? He said, yeah. They said, are you here to kick us out? He said, no. I'm here to feed the alligator. <laughs> That has nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Not a thing. So let's pray. Father, I just love that you love us. And that, Lord, we've been made to be in a connected relationship with you that's real and intimate and exciting. And, God, you have prepared things for us to experience and things for us to do and, and victories to, to acclaim or, or to, to grab hold of. And, and, God, it's just so incredible to live with you this way. And I pray today we would understand a, a peace in how we can continue living the life you have for us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you've not been with us, we're in a pretty long series called Tapestry. And it's themed off of uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. As a matter of fact, it's very much off of that where God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And the word plans is literally a word. I know what I want to interweave into your life. I, I, I know the things I want to pour in and directions I want you to take. And we saw that we have to hold on to certain things. Number one, not everything that happens is God's will. You may have done some things in your life God never wanted you to do. Some things may have been done to you. God never wanted to occur. But God says, if you'll let me, I'll interweave my will even around that in such a way that I'll cause something good to come from it. And that's where God miraculously works. But we also saw something else. That in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, before you were ever born, before anybody knew you'd be conceived, God, because he loves you as an individual, he prepared things for you to do. He prepared things for you to experience out of a love for you. But it's in, and, and these are these works that he wants you to, to be a part of. Now, now, don't miss this. Nobody here was created for obscurity. None of you are an accident. Your parents may have told you over and over, you're an accident. And you're not. God said, you were so intentionally created. I planned so many things for you. And you have a choice whether to walk in them or not. You have a choice whether to interact and experience and do it. And too often we choose not to or we stop. But God says, that's not what I want for you. I've created you for this. Then we saw that what's very important then to do what Jeremiah uh, did, Jeremiah 10, 23. Jeremiah said, I know, O Lord, 
But it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So God, if I want to live in this, then I've got to let you direct and guide me in it. And, and then we ask the question, how do you do that? And a few weeks ago, we saw, number one, we've got to do everything according to God's word. Uh, the number one way, he, he gives direction to us. The one, number one way, he guides us is through his word. And we don't want to trust in our own thoughts or our own minds. As a matter of fact, you know, that wouldn't be the wise thing to do. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 3, it says that we're not to trust in that, but we're to trust and lean upon him. By the way, that's why I want to, I'm going to make a plug for this journal. If you're not someone who reads God's Word every day in journals, I think this is the best way to start. Uh, uh, this is how I started, and um, I, I, this is going to sound like bragging, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Today, I hit my 2,300th straight day of journaling and being with the Lord. And um, I got to tell you, I love it. I, I'm not, I didn't think I would. I love being with God. I love being in his word. But you can't know the number of times as I just happened to hit that passage I needed for that moment as I'm going through this. And it just was, um, God's just directed and guided. And, and to write it down makes it even more intimate. And I want to encourage you to either get one of ours or start doing it somehow. But, but if you do this, by the way, you'll read the whole Old Testament once and the New Testament twice during the next year. And, and the number one way we know God's will is through his word. Another way we know God's will is through prayer. We pray, we ask, we say, God, show me. And uh, uh, we got into last week that when you do that, then God begins to answer in a lot of ways. Uh, he may answer in a dream. He may answer in pain, uh, physical pain. He may answer in uh, 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 a mediator, someone coming along and giving you a message and you're going, whoa, that just seems to... Out of nowhere, that's got to be the Lord. He may, he may answer uh, uh, through uh, a deep peace that passes understanding. But God will answer your prayers as you seek him in that. Now, another way that God answers our, our need to know what to do is he uses the wise counsel of other Christians. Uh, and, and the Bible talks about seeking counsel and finding godly counsel and direction. And then, of course, another way is just by closing doors and opening doors. And God does all this. Now, the reason I'm re reviewing that is because it brings us today to a particular aspect of prayer. This particular aspect of prayer that I, we need to understand is called, called fleecing. Now, when we go to pray and we fleece, that means we, we ask for a sign. Then we need to do it knowing how we're to do it correctly and not how we do it incorrectly. Because what you're saying is, God, I want to know that step to take. I want to. And so, God, if this is yours, then I'm going to ask, would you do this? Would you create this, this uh, moment? Would you cause something to happen? And, and I want to tell you, God will say yes to that. He may say no to it. But it's our deep understanding of it. I don't want you to have the misunderstanding of it that Homer Simpson has. Watch this. Homer Simpson on, on fleecing. Homie, I... Can't talk. Praying. Dear Lord, the gods have been good to me and I am thankful. For the first time in my life, everything is absolutely perfect just the way it is. So here's the deal. You freeze everything as it is and I won't ask for anything more. If that is okay, please give me absolutely no sign. Okay, deal. In gratitude, I present you this offering of cookies and milk. If you want me to eat them for you, give me no sign. That will be done. <laughs> I love that. Give me no sign. Thy will be done. Uh, 
you know what is, is when we begin to, first of all, the, one of the things that, you, I, I, it's not a put down of the Simpsons, I think the show's funny, but the, the one thing you probably grabbed in the beginning is he said, I'll never ask you for anything again. Let me be as clear as I can. That's the last thing God wants to hear from you. Could you imagine you're a parent, you, your child walks in and says, I'll, I, you know what, if you do this, I'll never talk to you again. Uh, and do, does that sound good? Now, there's a few of you who are going, yeah, no, but... Uh, no, 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 no. God wants to talk with you. God wants to interact with you. God wants to, to, to share life with you. He wants to experience things with you. He cares about you. And uh, when it comes to this particular aspect, what we've got to do is make sure and, and, and get it right. Uh, I've used this in my life. You may have used it in your life. I think lots of people do. Uh, one of the times I used it, and I've already shared this before, but I'm going to go ahead and go back to it for the purpose of illustration, is uh, when I was uh, uh, just had recommitted my life to Christ, Pam had just given her life to the Lord, and we were attending Crossroads, and, and, and we thought, okay, God, whatever you want from us, we're going to do. And so we got involved in VBS because, you know what, we just thought that's what everybody ought to do. And, and we had planned to go to college at the University of California in Humboldt, and uh, our dream was to be accountants, and we thought that's where God was taking us. And, and we just wanted to have it right. Well, what happened is the youth pastor here, Don Olsby, got really, really sick. And um, he wasn't able to go to high school camp, and that left us short on counselors. And so Rick Gunn, one of the staff people here, began to call everybody he could and said, could you please, we need at least two more people. And they could not find anybody. And Rick prayed about it. He said, God, I got to find someone. And he walked by a desk that, that Marge, if you remember Marge, a uh, wonderful part of our church family, saw on her desk a recommitment card from me. And he picked it up and thought, well, I wonder if they'll go. And he called me up and he said, is there any way you could go? And I said, well, yeah, we could go. That's the one week we have off before going away to, to University of California. And, and Pam had that time off and we thought, okay, let's go do it. Now you got to understand, we're not very far removed age-wise from the high school students we're going to be there with. And I'm really a brand new Christian. Pam's a very brand new Christian. And we drive up to the camp just figuring, okay, whatever they need us to do. And, and I walk up and the head of the camp goes, oh, here's your packet of materials. You'll be teaching twice a day. <laughs> now, I hadn't even prayed out loud with anybody yet. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding. They go, oh yeah, and it starts in 20 minutes. I'm like, what? And I walk over, and there's this group of high school students, and, and I'm literally looking through the stuff, and I said, hey, uh, uh, let me look through this real quick. Hey, anybody got any questions? And a hand shoots up, and one of the kids asks a question, a biblical question, and I looked back at him, and I knew the answer. And so I, I, I not only knew the answer, I'm not kidding, I knew where in the Bible to go. And so I said, well, the answer to that is, and I started talking, and I said, let's turn. And I really did. As we're turning, I thought, please be there. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> And it was, it was right. Pam's going, oh, I can't believe it. All these other kids ask questions. I am not kidding. I knew the answers. And, and it wasn't me. I knew it wasn't me. The shocker was I always was turning to scripture on them. I mean, books I had never read before. Going, and, and Pam is like, oh, wow. She's just going, you know. Well, I go away for a quiet time. And I'm sitting on a particular rock that just a few weeks ago I went back and sat on. And I'm praying. And I said, God, you know, I just, anything you want for me, and I want to be yours. I'm loving this. And I felt the Lord really move and say, go into the ministry. And I sat there and I said, Lord, I would love that. I would do anything for you. But Pam and I are engaged. We have all these plans. So I'm going to ask you, without me saying a word, would you tell her? 
And I got it from that spot, and I walk up this long path, and I go up this hill, and there's Pam standing there, and she looks at me, and she said, when I was having my quiet time, God spoke to me and said, you're supposed to go in the ministry. And I was like, wow, a week later, I'm in Bible college. Uh, and, and, and it was just one of those moments I'll never forget. Now, now, here's the question. What if I had walked up the hill and she had looked at me and said, Chuck, during my quiet time, I just started thinking you're the handsomest man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and seeing you stand in this forest setting, ah, oh, I just love. Now, she's never, ever said anything like that to me. But <laughs> I can dream. Uh, had she not said it, here's the question, would I have not gone in the ministry? The answer is no. The answer is when you understand a fleece correctly. A fleece is only for confirmation, not truly for direction. Uh, uh, another example of that, a uh, young college guy I know, is dating a beautiful, wonderful girl, but he's wondering, should we get married? He's sitting in his house, and he prays this prayer. says, God, if you really want me to marry her, have her knock on my door right now. Now, they weren't supposed to see each other that night. They weren't supposed to be around each other that night, just because of life schedules. And he said, would you have her knock on the door right? And before he could get out the word now, there's a knock at the door, and he opens it, and she's standing there. And he's like, oh, and he tells her, and of course, she's thrilled. Now I get my ring, and, uh, you know. But six months later, there, there's some issues. And uh, they're sitting in front of me, and I'm saying, okay, how do you know God wants you to be together? And, and they were violating some things that were here, to be honest. And, 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 and they looked at me and said, well, there was this moment I said this prayer. And I said, do you really believe that locks you into this? Because I want to tell you, that's not the right way of fleecing. That's not the right way of fleecing. You still got to check. You still got to test. See, you need to make sure you know who's giving you the directions. You need to make sure you're getting them from the proper source. Uh, uh, when the fires were breaking out, a photographer got a call about a brand new fire, and they needed him to go and film it. And so he rushes to the airport, and the plane's sitting there waiting on the tarmac, and he runs out, and he hops in. He says, go, go, go. It's time to take off. And the pilot's okay, and he starts pulling out, and he goes down. They take off. He tells the pilot, I need to be at that fire over there. You can see the smoke move that way. The pilot said, are you sure? He said, yeah, yeah. We got to get close. Go. So they start flying over towards it. When they get towards the fire, the photographer looks at the pilot and says, all right, I need to make it a hard turn to the right and go ahead and glide in. And the pilot like, are you kidding? He goes, no, come on, quick. And so they make their turn and they go down and they're flying through the smoke and the embers are coming up and he's getting shots and he goes back. He goes, well, that was pretty good, but I need to be closer. The pilot's like, oh, and so they go again and go in and come back up, and, and he says, you know, one more time, and I even need a closer pass, and the pilot looks at him and says, are you sure, and he goes, and the photographer says, yeah, yeah, I'm a photographer, I need to do this, and the pilot said, you're not the instructor, <laughs> see, you need to know who's guide, by the way, that's not true, it's another joke, uh, but uh, <laughs> You need to know who's guiding you. Now, now that's the point. You've got to make sure you're really connected in. And, and I, I want to be honest with you. I think we'll agree with this. Finite people connecting to an infinite God is not easy. And, and it's not easy communicating. We've talked about this last week. Just our own communication is not easy. So communicating with God is what we are made for. But no one said it's easy. But fleecing is a way to do this confirmation. Genesis 24 is where we are. Uh, Abraham has a son named Isaac who he loves with all his heart. And it's time for a bride to be chosen for Isaac. 
So he calls Eliezer, his most trusted servant, a man he loves like his own son, and he said, Eliezer, I want you to swear to me something. I want you to swear that you would go to the land of my, my family, and I want you to choose a wife for my son Isaac there. I want you to promise you will not take a girl from this area we're in. It needs to be someone from a godly line with a love for God. And, and I want you to go and bring her back here. And the servant, Eliezer, looks and says, well, what if she won't come? Shall I bring Isaac? He said, no, God has clearly told us we were to go from that area and never return. That would violate what God has said. You will never bring Isaac from here. He said, well, what if the girl will not come with me? And, and Abraham says, an angel of God will go before you and make your trip successful. But if you're not able to find a girl who will come back, you're freed from this oath. So Eliezer goes and gets ready to do the unthinkable. He's going to go into an area, walk up to a strange girl, and literally say, would you agree right now to leave your family and never return here and go marry a guy you've never laid eyes on before? Do you understand how that would be a pretty tenuous thing to ask? And, and he said, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to trust God with it. Well, he makes the long, long journey, and he gets to the well, and he stands before the well, and notice what happens in verse 11. He made camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O oh Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now may it be that the girl to whom I say, please let down your jar so that I may have a drink. And who answers, drink. And I will water your camels also. May she be the one whom you appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown loving kindness to me. Now you need to know he's asking something that would not normally occur. Uh, the idea of asking for a drink, maybe. The idea of her saying, and by the way, let me take as much time as I can with an enormous amount of energy, making sure your camel, camels drink a lot, right? Making sure I work and work and work so your camels can drink and drink and drink. That just, you know what that'd be like is, is if you said, you know, I need to find a, a, a girl for my son. Lord, I'm going to go down to the Tyler Galleria. And the girl I walk up to and say, can I have a sip of your Coke? She'll turn and say, not only have a sip of my Coke, can I go buy you a meal on top of it? Do you think the odds of that happening are real good? And that's what he's doing. He's asking for something that's out of the, not in the realm of possibility. But he says, God, I want to know. And now notice this. This is where we need to really key in. Look at verse 15. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with her jar on her shoulder. The girl was very beautiful and a virgin, and no man had had relations with her. And she went down to the spring and filled up the jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her, and he said, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And she said, drink, my lord. And she quickly lowered her jar in her hand and gave him a drink. Now, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they finished drinking. Now, notice that not just I'm going to give those camels a drink. They're going to drink till they're done. It says, so she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well to draw. And she drew for all the camels. Now, verse 21 is the key verse. Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know. Whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. Did you catch that? He said, I'm going to ask that she gives me a drink, and I'm going to then 
take it, and then she needs to offer without my saying a word that she's going to drink, give water to the camels till they're done. She does this, and while she's doing it, he says, I wonder if this is from God. Now, that's not a lack of faith. That's called wisdom. See, to understand this method of praying correctly, you don't stand there and go, that's it. There's some other things that are more important. Number one, she's got to be of the right family. She has to be of a family that's seeking and worshiping God. If he turned to her and said, whose family are you? And she named somebody he didn't know. Well, then that ends it. It doesn't matter how that prayer was answered. There's something more important here. If he then says to her, oh, you're from the right family, and I just prayed this prayer. My master Abraham has a son named Isaac, and I need you to come and, and, and never, ever come back to your family again. I need you to take a step of faith and come with me and marry him. If she said no, then he would go looking for another girl. She wouldn't be the right girl. It doesn't matter how specifically this prayer has been answered because it doesn't override the other principles that are there. So what is he doing? He's testing. We talked about that last week. This is so important. He's testing it according to either direct uh, commands of Scripture or principles of Scripture so he gets what we know to be the guidance of God. And, and that's what he ends up doing. Uh, when he finds out that she's the right girl, what does he do? Look at verse 26. Then the man bowed low and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. He said, God, I see God, you're directly involved. You sent me to the right family. But even then he's going to test He's going to see, is she ready to come back or not? Now, I know this is a little bit complex, but I want to make sure we don't miss what's going on. God wants you to ask. God loves the process with you. He loves sharing these moments with you. He likes giving answers to these things. But if the answer is no, let's say he's standing there and he looks and says, hey, can I have a drink? And she said, nope, and walked away. Would that mean she's not the girl? No, it wouldn't. He might have then found the house of her brothers, found out it was the right family, made the offer, and she still could have gone. It didn't eradicate what was going on. Uh, uh, if he, she does do what he says, and he says, oh, cool, now you've got to marry. No, she doesn't. She still has a free choice in this, and she has to be of the right family and the right willingness to go. And, and the only way we, in the end, know how this works out is the end result. We begin to see God in the process, but we've got to find the right ending. Look over at Judge, Judges chapter 6 with me. Judges chapter 6. This is where we get the whole idea of a fleece anyway. This is where you get the fleece anyway. Gideon and all the people of Israel are living horrible lives. Economically, it's, it's beyond description. They're, they're, they're not sure they're going to have enough food to eat. They're not sure they're going to make it. Their houses are being taken away. And why all this was going on is because the people of Israel had not been listening to God and living according to what he wanted. And God does this. God says, okay, if you want to do it on your own, go try it without me. And what it meant is they, they were uh, literally economically deprived. On top of that, a group called the Midianites had come in and were wreaking havoc on them. Every time there was a harvest, they just started to get a little ahead. Boom, the Midianites swept in and robbed them. Then they began to take up the violence to a level that it literally forced them from their homes. And with houses to live in, they can't live because of what's going on. They literally have to go and live in the hills. They carve out caves for themselves, and, and it's dirty and gross, and they're not sure they're going to make it, and life is horrible, and, and, and they've got this huge army now bringing subservience to them, and they finally do it. God's been waiting the whole time. They call out to God. And God, you know what? You've got to catch this. God 
wants to help us. He wants to rescue us. And they call out to God and they say, Lord, why is this happening? And he tells them in verse 10, I'll tell you why it's happening, because you've not obeyed me. If you would obey, if you would come to me with the true heart, I'm going to rescue you. And they end up committing to do that. And so God sends the angel of the Lord, which, by the way, may have been a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus himself. Sends the angel of the Lord to come down and to meet with a man named Gideon. And look what happens in verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak, which is in Ophrah, which belonged to Jehoash, the Abezerite, and his son Gideon, who was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. He's doing it quickly. He's doing it secretly so it doesn't get robbed from him. He's hiding out. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Which I'm sure that shocked him. Valiant warrior. I'm hiding, cowering, being beaten down constantly. But God is seeing in Gideon who he could be. And then it says, verse 13, Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this happened to us? Where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord looked and said, Go in this your strength. You've got a passion. You've got a strength. Go and stay in this thought process and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Do you key that? Have I not sent you? And, and he's got a question to answer here. Is this really God sending someone to direct me to go and do something that I've never been trained to do? To go and, and fight a battle that's clearly I'm outnumbered and outmanned. To call upon a people who at best cower to join me in doing this. He, he's thinking, is this really true? And he said, if it's true, then I'm going to ask you to let me make an offering of prayer and worship to the Lord. And he goes and prepares what would have taken an enormous amount of time to put this offering together. And this is my opinion. You don't have to agree. It's total opinion. I think he chose that particular offering, hoping it would take so long the angel would get bored and leave and he wouldn't have to do it. But the angel waits, and he comes back and lays it before him, and the angel touches it and bursts into flames, and the angel disappears, and now Gideon's got a choice to make. Am I going to follow this God-given direction in my life? I've been told to bring this. I've been told to do it. I've got to take a step of faith. And he takes the first step of faith. He gathers together some people, and they, in the nighttime when no one's watching, go into the city square area, and there's an altar that's been built to Baal in the middle of Israel, an altar to Baal, and they secretly go in and tear it down. And then they go off and hide. And when everybody wakes up the next morning and they see that Baal has been destroyed, they, they freak out. Because why? When the Midianites hear it, now they'll attack. Now they're going to make it worse on them. And so everyone's saying, tell us who did it and we'll kill them. Tell us who did it and we'll, we'll put them to death. And we'll tell the Midianites, it wasn't us, it was them. And Gideon's father stands up and says, are we going to be the people who fight on behalf of Baal? And, and everyone's shamed. Then Gideon rises up and says, let's, let's do this. Let's go to war. Let's take them on. We've already crossed the line. We can't help. And, and, and then he does something else. He starts calling for people to rally. He has no idea they will. But the minute he starts acting on this, he's already signed his death warrant in the Midianites. He's already started a rebellion. If everybody says, no, nope, we can't do it, he's one man alone ready to die. Then he does something else. He blows the trumpet. He sounds the alarm. He says, more than ever, we're going to war. And now more than ever, he's made a commitment. There's no way out from this. And, and people are starting to come, but not enough. The Midianites are hearing and getting ready to rally against him. He's crossed the point of no return, and in his tent, 
he prays a prayer. And that's where we pick up in chapter 6, verse 36. Then Gideon said to God, if you will deliver Israel through me, now notice this, as you have spoken. He has no doubt what God's word says. He has no doubt the direction he's supposed to take. But he says, if you would do this through me as you have spoken. He says, behold, I will put fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on the ground, I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken. And he lays it down there and he goes to bed that night. I don't know if he could sleep or not, but he wakes up in the morning and he looks at this fleece hoping this, this lamb's wool that's laying there only do on it, none on the ground. And verse 38 says, and it was so. When he arose early in the morning, uh, he squeezed the fleece, he drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not let your anger burn against me, that I may speak once more. Please let me make a test once more with the fleece. Let, me now, let it now be dry only on the fleece and let the dew be on all the ground. And God did so that night. It was dry only on the fleece and dew was on all the ground. Now, if you were Gideon, you'd go, good, praise God. This is so awesome. God, twice you've confirmed what you've already called for me to do. You spoke and I knew it was you, so I'm acting. Uh, but I already blew the trumpet, so there's no turning back. I already sent messengers throughout the land. There's no turning back. But I'm asking you, Lord, would you do this? Let, let me share with you where we're going with this. If he had got up in the morning and the fleece was dry and the ground was dry, that didn't mean anything. God's not saying no. He's just saying no to the fleece. In other words, you and I might say, God, if this is from you, please show me. Would you do this? And, and if it happens, what you do is you do like Eliezer did. You go, wow, that just happened, and that, that's really cool. I mean, that's beyond the realm of possibility. But I'm still going to keep testing. Do you catch that? You don't quit testing. If it doesn't happen, you don't go, okay, I'm out. Uh, I, I don't have to do it now. No, not if you know you've got a God-given direction. Uh, 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 let me give you an easy one. You're, you're about to get with some relatives and some of your relatives don't know the Lord. You already know God's told you to tell them. You know God's called for you to try to share. And, and if you said, Lord, you know what? I'm, I'm about to go see the relatives and it gets stressful and, and I don't know uh, if it's gonna happen. Would you right now, God, would you show me that you're somehow gonna give me an opening by having one of them call me on the phone and offer to, uh, to, to, to buy us a brand new car? <laughs> If the phone doesn't ring, God's just saying, no, nope, you're not getting the car. It doesn't mean you don't got to go witness, right? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Uh, in other words, if we know what God's calling for us to do, uh, we don't have a choice about it. Uh, let's, let me give you another example. I have a problem with person A. What does the Bible say? If I have a problem with person A, then I am to go to them in, in, a, in a loving way, in a kind way, in a truthful way, try to create peace. And, and, and I don't know about you. Do you, do you enjoy those moments? Okay, I don't either. And so I'm sitting here knowing I'm supposed to go to them. And I say, Lord, you know what? I know you want me to go to them. I know what your word says. I pray, though, that you're going to give me a piece about this by, by having somebody stop me today and ask if I've seen them. Ask if I've talked. Just, would you, and all day long, nobody asks. That doesn't let me out of going. I, I, it's just all God said no. But, but here's the weird thing. Over and over in my life and in many of yours, you've said, God, Please give me a sign. And it comes. I, I, I got to tell you, it, it, it happens. God loves to do this. God loves to do this. He loves it when he goes, okay, you need a sign. You need help. I want to encourage you. I'm not saying he always does, but I want to tell you, it's amazing how much he does. 
And, and, and so I go walking up the hill, and Pam is standing there, and she says, Chuck, God's telling you to go in the ministry. Man, to this day, that rocks my world. Uh, to this day, that's incredible to me. When um, two years ago, about right now, Pam and I were praying, should we come to Crossroads? Now, we were in a church that I loved, with people I love and still love, uh, watching amazing things occur. And I had really thought that I was going to spend the rest of my life there. I thought that was it. You know, I'd be handing it over to someone else or the rapture would happen. And uh, I had no plans to go anywhere else. But then I got a phone call saying what I consider coming here. And uh, I said, no, I, I won't do that. I'm really happy where I'm at. And then, then the person talked to me and said, I just want to ask you, have you really genuinely prayed this through? And I said, you know what, I'll pray about it. But if you want me to pray about it, that I need to do it intelligently. You're going to have to send me over your financial statements, your core values, and, and those kinds of things. You know, I need all that. Uh, and I'll pray. And so I called a couple of my friends and asked for their wise counsel, and I began to pray. And, and then what happened is, uh, if this is the shorter version, for any, those of you who don't know, uh, the financials didn't measure up correctly. Uh, matter of fact, what that started was a, a, a domino effect that we found out that the church was close to being foreclosed on. And so I'm hearing about deep, deep financial problems. I'm hearing all of this knowing none of you knew. Which, by the way, do you see that being an issue? And uh, I'm thinking, oh, man. And I, I get with Pam and I said, oh, this does not look good. I can't imagine God's calling us to come here. And then I'd already committed to preach on, on New Year's Eve because I love the church and this is my home church. And so what happens, I came out and, and, and two years ago, I preached on New Year's Eve and all of a sudden, something happened. I gave the invitation, and people are flooding. I mean, not just, they're flooding forward, crying. I'm watching this in every service. I turn over to Pam. Pam's crying, and I walk up, and she grabs my arm, and she said, Chuck, God's calling us to come here. And I looked at her, and I said, no. And uh, she said, no, no, he is. And, and, and I know one of those signs is we've got to be in union on this, and so I said, okay, and so we began talking to more people and praying, and, and there were lots of things. Every single one of my friends who I trust in the ministry said, you got to go. They all had different reasons, but it was universal. You got to go, you got to go. Uh, uh, but um, as I kept praying about it, a couple of things occurred. Number one, what I thought was a horrible problem kept getting worse and worse and worse, and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I've already shared this, but I love telling this because it's so true. I go and sit with Pam I said, Pam, it's bad. It's worse than we ever thought. And if we say yes and go, we, we really could lose our house. Uh, because you know what? We may go there and not get paid for months. I mean, it's that bad. We may go there and, and, and I don't know what we'll do. And, and I'll never forget the moment Pam looked at me and said, well, if that's the case, then more than ever we're going. She goes, because we're not for sale. And I was like, whoa. And uh, yeah, anyway, it was, yeah, it was that moment. So... And by the way, I found out she had a whole plan. We were going to go live with my son, Tim and Jill, and not get paid. And we're going to sell our cars and walk to church. I mean, she had it all laid out, you know. I mean, it was like, wow. Anyway, but, but, but that was a moment. So now we had hit this place where we were almost sure, I'd say 99% sure God was calling us to come. So I, I had some fleeces. One fleece I had is Barry and I, who the former pastor here who I love. I love Barry. We had been interacting through this, and especially through the discovery process, 
And um, I said to him, uh, you know, what do you want to do? And, and so we thought, you know what we'll do is we'll ease it into CCV, you know, if this ends up being what God wants, and then maybe I would come in June or, or September. And, 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 but the worst it got, I began to say, I said, God, if you really want me to come, I pray you're going to put it on Barry's heart that I have to come right away. Uh, I pray that's going to be from you, no one telling him. It's just going to, and well, Barry was in Australia with Gay, and he, he gets back, and I was one of the first phone calls he made. He said, Chuck, uh, I want you to come. I believe God wants you to come, and I'm resigning next Sunday. And you need to come right away. And I thought, ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, another fleece I had was uh, in the midst of the discovery process, I found out there was a huge, huge problem between the church and the school. I mean, it was so divided. And, and, and it was like the spiritual wall had been built up, and there was this friction, and, and, and the two groups had literally disassociated themselves from one another. And, and, and I thought, oh, no. So I, I thought, Lord, if I'm going to come, I believe you want me to come and help make peace between the two. So I called up Roger Harris, who's the head of the school. Roger is a person who mentored me when I was first a Christian, who helped me grow as a, I mean, I love Roger. And uh, I want you to know, if you've never met him, I, I don't know of a more godly man than Roger Harris. And uh, so what happens, I called Roger and said, hey, I don't know if you've heard, they've contacted me. He said, yeah, I've heard. I said, can we go to lunch? And I made a fleece that morning. I said, God, if you want me to go, I pray Roger's going to look me in the eye and tell me we're going to repair this. We're going to come back together. And so um, we're sitting at lunch, and I said, Roger, heard there's some problems between the school and the church. And Roger, being the godly man he is, said, well, there might be a few. And I said, Roger, I know you never talk bitter. You've never done that in your life. But if I'm going to come in here, you can't leave me not knowing. Tell me. And he gets emotional starts pouring out what's and I sat there grieving and I thought God this isn't your will I know it's not your will for the two to be divided like this especially over what happened and I'm praying I thought God I pray that if if you do call me to come that that we put this back together and uh, so he gets done sharing and I looked at him and I said Roger if I come can we repair this and I'm not giving you all the details and you don't really need to know right now but what happened is he looked at me he said, yeah, I'd love that. I'd love to be one again. I'd love to be back together. And then we drove over here and walked the grounds and dreamed and talked and planned. And, uh, and, and then I think most all of you know, we right now are in a very intentional process of reuniting together. The two will become one completely uh, in the next few months under one board, one movement, everything together. Plus, we're starting a high school on top of it. So it's, it's all come back together. which I could not be happier. I love the school. I love the, the staff there. I love what we could do together. We're better together than apart. There's so much more to the story. But, but let me tell you where I'm going with this. If I sat in that restaurant and Roger said, no, we can't repair it, guess what? That didn't let me off the hook. If I uh, uh, was standing uh, uh, with Barry and Barry said, oh, I'm not sure. Those were fleeces. Those aren't the deciding factors. There were other more important principles built in. And, and, but God chose to give me a yes on both. And, and, and in that, I walk away just going, Lord, I just really see your hand in a way that's incredible. And, and here's where I'm really going. God loves to do this with you. Now, he doesn't always do it because if you haven't caught it, God doesn't just jump at us. You know, if we go, Lord, come here. <laughs> that doesn't work. You know, if you're a parent, your kids are, get right over here now. You look at the kid and right away you go, oh, I'm coming. Uh, but... You know, God just doesn't leap at our command, but the reality is, is he loves to interact with us. 
And uh, when you want to know God's will, you, number one, go by his word. You go by prayer. You go by wise counsel of other Christians. You watch the circumstances and see what God's doing. Sometimes we fleece. And it's a, an exciting way to connect with him. But we just got to do it right. We got to make sure we do it right. But the most important thing is that we know we're doing it in a relational aspect with God. See, none of this works if you and God aren't close. None of this works if you don't have a real relationship with him. Last week and the week before, we talked about the fact that God loves for us to talk with him and share with him in prayer. But you know what? It's, it's, it's a two-way process. It's true communication. God says, I also want to speak back. And I want you to, to hear from me. And I want you to know that I have a plan and direction for your life. And so right now, I want to ask you this question. Could you say, I know that God loves me, and I'm living the life that God has for me to live. And I'm excited about what's going on. Because I want you to know God does love you. And God has prepared a life for you to live, and he wants to guide you in it. He wants to direct you. And if for some reason that's not happening, then I need to ask this. Have you truly, truly committed your life to Christ? Have you truly committed yourself to being in a relationship with him? Because he wants it. And if you haven't done it, how do you do it? You do it by praying. You do it by whispering some words, saying, I really want this, Lord. I know I have sin. I know I have failings. Please forgive me of those. And I want to now come and live with you and be yours complete. And you tell God that. And in a few minutes, I'm going to lead a prayer where if you've never done that before, you can pray that prayer. But what about today? What if you've you, you at one time had a relationship with God, but right now it's not active, it's not alive, it's not connected? Well, you need to reconnect with him. You need to... To, to come back and restore this. God wants it to happen. But how do you do it? Well, the Bible says you do what you did at first. You pray that prayer again. So today, if you aren't living the life that God has for you, if you're not being the person God has for you to be, it's never too late. And it doesn't matter what you've done. He couldn't love you more than he does. So today, if, if you sense God calling you to this or you want it, I'm going to ask you to have a, a real true prayer commitment time with him. Let's all go to prayer together. Father, I pray and I ask that your Holy Spirit move in this room. God, make us sensitive to who you are. Make us aware of the life you have for each one of us to live. And God, I pray that we would take our steps being guided by you. That we would trust in you with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In every single way, we would acknowledge you and look to you. And then you will direct our paths. So today I ask for me, for, for every person here, for our church family, God, let us be directed by you. Let this be amazing. Father, I want to pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come in this room and begin to stir and touch anybody who needs to make a commitment to you. Whether it's for the very first time. And they're starting to understand that not only do they believe, but now they need to have a love relationship. And God, I pray you would stir upon them and they would know this is their moment. And I also pray, Lord, for anybody here today who needs to recommit themselves. So I pray for every man and woman who needs to be close to you, every guy and girl. Oh, God, may your spirit touch them now. May they be ready to make this commitment. May they want to live a life that's beyond anything they could have ever hoped, asked, or dreamed. May they be in a love relationship with you, living the life that's amazing. I want to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with the Lord, would you pray right now for anybody who needs to make a decision? But today, 
if you want a relationship with God that's real and alive, if you want to commit yourself to Christ, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper a prayer with me. I'll pray a line and let you just whisper it right after me, but we'll be doing it together. But I'd like to ask, is God calling anybody right now to pray this prayer? And if he is, and you'll pray it with me, would you lift your hand in the air and look at me, and then you can put it down. Is there anybody today that God's touching? Praise God for you. That is so awesome for you and for you, for you here, right here too, for each one of you. Praise God. Wow, right here for you. Wow, and right back here for you too. Way up there, praise the Lord. Over here, praise God for you and you and you too and all of you there. Wow, praise the Lord. And way up here, praise God. You know what? Right. Oh, praise the Lord. Wow. And for you too. Wow. A second more. Anybody else? God's touching you and I haven't seen you yet. Just lift your hand where I can see you. Praise the Lord, man. That's awesome. And way up here, praise God. Wow. And right over here, praise the Lord for you and for you. Wow, and way on the back. Praise the Lord for you, man. You know what? Every single one of you, God knows who you are by name. He loves this moment with you. And I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting, just whisper this prayer. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, to make me new and to make me yours. I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you've always created me to be and to live the life that you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer. Praise the Lord.